Hi, I'm Josh Young. And I'm Josh Dillon. And you're listening to the Pink and Black Playback, a 4 out of 10 podcast chronicling the 10 out of 10 career of one Brett the Hitman Hart, where we cover all the highs, the lows, and the pinky middles. Shazam! Shazam, I like that. (laughs) And today we will be talking about Bret Hart versus Mankind at Shotgun Saturday Night, January 25th, 1997. And then after that, we're going to talk about Bret Hart versus Roddy Piper for the Intercontinental Championship at WrestleMania 8. Oh, boy. So, <laughs> Shotgun Saturday Night. That was a thing they did. It was. Uh, I'd, like to, I'd like to point out that we're back to our scheduled programming. All Damn. Brett, all the time. Not a Hulk Hogan sighting in sight. Yeah, this is, <laughs> the last you're going to hear about Hulk Hogan is literally this introduction. <laughs> Until something else happens. Um, not saying we won't watch more Hulk Hogan movies in the future, because I, I still think about moments from No Hills Bard right now. I'm just like, wow, yeah. what a fucking show that was. I'm still calling people at work jockasses. Yeah, you know, it's going to get you fired, but what a way to go. Yeah. God. Hey, boss, you're a real jockass. So I <laughs> guess walk away. Regardless of the quality of this first match, it is definitely an, an improvement, right? Over <laughs> conditions of that last Most movie. Most things are better than No Holds Barred. Let's set the stage here. It's 1997. They talk about it at some point during this match. So this is just somewhat after where Brett has his freak out in the ring and says bullshit on live on air. And then Sid Harasses Vicious. Vince McMahon. Yeah. Yeah. There's a cage at one point. Selma's being screwed. It's like a half-demolished cage. And then there's I've done everything for comes this company. Like, I am dumb as shit. And I'm dumber than you could ever imagine or We're whatever. Life, pal. <laughs> what a great little bit that was. Uh, but so this is the beginning of what is the swan song of Bret Hart and like really the best period he had. I think as a pro wrestler, I think really this 19, because you can put in most of 96 there for me too. Yeah. But for me, it is like literally all of his time in 97. Seven, up until yeah, it's hot. Series. It's fire. It's fucking fire. It's fun to see the the uh, beginnings, the genesis of the Attitude Era, because yeah. we're not even calling that yeah. right now. But you got to admit, we're fucking yeah. in, in full tilt, maybe even full tit. Well, if we're lucky. <laughs> Not Jesus. yeah, this is not the network station. It's on cable, so yeah, probably you might get a seat. You never know. Um, yeah, this is Shotgun Saturday Night. This is one of those uh, things that they were trying to do uh, when they kept trying to come up with new television, like yeah. new programming as new revenue streams. My vibe, my thought here is like they saw what ECW was doing, yeah, and they're not trying to put on ECW matches, but they're trying to get presentation. Presentation. It, it, it close feels it feels very. Uh, NXT, the early days of NXT, not, and I'm not talking the fucking jobber show, yeah. NXT. I'm talking about the NXT you and I both know and love, or used to love, before, you know, they got the uh, Sonny Corleone treatment and look at what massacred my boy. Yeah, exactly. My <laughs> but boy! That, er, that early version of, of NXT where it's very stripped down. I mean, fuck, they got him, like like you said, ECW, they got him coming out of the crowds. There's yeah. no there's no Titantron. Yeah. There's no fucking yeah. ramp. They're nothing. The- uh, uh, the Webster Webster Hall Webster Hall yeah um, yeah. so it's like one of these nice vertical halls old timey kind of looking like kind of like opera box yeah. looking places they, they held they USO go-go. shows there in the yeah. war yeah definitely <laughs> they got go-go dancers there not really they got people dancing on like those were what did what did Owen Hart refer to him? Hose bags. Hose bags. He called them at one point. Yes, Owen Hart is here doing commentary with Vince, which is a pairing. Yeah, they just seem weirdly confused by each other the Vince whole time. Not in a suit or any like no. WWE. This is how this stripped is casual. Down it is, exactly. Yeah. This is the whole point. This is Saturday yeah. night, boys yeah. and girls. We're, we're here to have out. a good time. We're hanging out, watching wrestling. Just wrestling at the bar <laughs> at the um, hall. <laughs> so there's no major entrances or anything. No, nothing like that. Music at all. Mankind comes out and fucking. 
uh, flounders around near the girls on the stage for a little bit. It's nothing creepy, although Vince McMahon keeps kind of implying that he's being weirdly creepy. Do you know what he's I mean? He's aroused. He's being, yeah. But he's clearly doing the mankind thing where it's definitely more of like... Mankind's never really seen a woman before. Exactly. It's just like, can I too know love? <laughs> it's like that kind of... It's, it, it's oddly sweet, you know? Beyond this mask and gruff exterior lies the heart of a poet. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Which would be do love. So it's just... Oh, it's shit, man. Talk about Later long-term on, storytelling. I bet you those girls ended up becoming part of the dude's uh, posse. Remember you come up you with know, girls and dancing I, I'm going to just assume that that's the case and not look it up because I want that to be I true. I heard Nick Foley's wife had a big problem with that. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I bet. She, was like, she was like, I don't care if Which this is dude love character. Which is funny because like, yeah, like, it's not like he's like touching anybody or doing anything <laughs> well, weird. No, but like, dude love's supposed to be the stud, right? And well, like in Mick Foley's mind, like he's not literally <laughs> yeah, but the a character. I know, yeah, but the character is supposed to be, and he's got right. all these girls. But it's funny; his wife would rather him fall off a fucking cage and death Japanese death matches than to be surrounded in this in this other uh, other uh, character oh, to be surrounded by beautiful women. There's a good like '90s <laughs> fucking stand-up comedy joke here about wives somewhere. Yeah, no doubt. My wife. Uh. But can't, if you, if speaking of the women, can't live with him, can't, can't throw him off a steel cage. <laughs> I no way out. <laughs> can't gig him. <laughs> or no mercy, whatever it was. One of those. King of the Ring. It was a King of the Ring. He went off the cage like Infamous that. Infamous story about that King of the Ring. Oh, hit me. When he falls off the the Hell in the Cell, we watched that live. That we rented. We rent. Yeah, we ordered that pay per view at a KFC dinner as we usually did when watching WWF quality programming. <laughs> I just love <laughs> On a that Sunday. <laughs> We're gonna get the pay per view, get some KFC, it's a banner day. He the falls off the house. cage, hits the table, pop. God. My grandfather gets a fucking heart attack just laying on the couch. Survives, but makes everybody rushes him to the hospital. Wait, 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 wait. The- your grandfather literally has a heart, fucking heart, heart attack. attack. Watching, oh him, watching him have the watching him fall off the cage, the get fuck? tossed off. Gets the heart attack. Everybody goes except my cousin who stays behind oh. and has to record the rest of King oh, of the Ring. I love that so. Yeah, somebody's <laughs> got to stay there and record it. Somebody's got to press the button. Somebody has to tape this. God, I told. So I got to meet Mick Foley at uh, Comic Strip when doing his stand-up, and I told oh, him the story because he's always joking about in his stand-up. He's like, people ask me if it hurt if I fell off the cage, and I say, yeah. Yeah. But we're getting autographs back or after the show, and I was like, "Here's a funny story, Mr. Foley, about that oh Hell in the Cell match." God. And he just looked at me. He's like, "Oh no!" <laughs> he's like, and Mick Foley was like, "He just he reached out at me. He's like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> you just killed your grandfather, <laughs> kid. Like, That's, that's so how sorry. dramatic it was. That's why you're God." <laughs> it's like this is like no, no. He had it coming. He was a shit his entire life. He's like, but we watched. Oh, we ended up watching so the rest of the pay per view at the at the hospital. Oh, uh, that's sweet in a weird way it was it was a delicate moment he survived wow. he survived he was okay wow what a turn we don't have anywhere near any cool <laughs> stories about shotgun saturday night everybody i don't know i mean like some of these ladies were kind of cute and i definitely saw a butt there's like a thong ass. butt there's, there's like a thong. woman laying down you see and chaps butt. and i'm pretty sure and like it starts off with sunny of all people she's just kind of like off to the side of where the uh, uh commentary booth is yeah it's not even a booth just table and it just like, and then eventually makes her way to the table and like is on mic. But it's not, yeah, and is not announced of being part of the commentary team. So it's literally Vince it's Owen. Like, they're introduced yeah. as doing the and commentary, then and then Vince Sunny Moment comes in. Like, Sunny. Yeah, but we didn't really know who it was talking. I was like, okay, is this some bimbo just talking yeah. to Owen? No, but no, it was no, that was Vince bimbo. McMahon. <laughs> Vince McMahon, the bimbo of the, the WWE. Bimbo. No, it was Sunny. But the thing about the arena, well, not the the hall. It's not an arena. I think, and I'm pretty sure at each of the four near the four corners. 
of the turnbuckle, in each of the corners there, there is our dancing girls. There's staging for <laughs> girls to dance. Oh, I like it. Because it's so, and the crowd's kind of intermingling yeah. in that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's definitely really a standing room only it's greasy. vibe. It's, it's greasy. And I, and I kind of like it. Reminds me again, <laughs> like the cool parts of an old ECW crowd or yeah. a weekly show or even that GCW. Uh, yeah, it's very much it's very GCW much like that. We watched. Yeah. yeah, very much like that. Okay, to the match. <laughs> so Mankind comes out. He's all, oh, could you ever learn to love one such as me? And like, <laughs> Uncle Paul telling yeah. him no. <laughs> Exactly. Holding the urn. <laughs> yeah, I do like the idea that Paul Bearer is there holding an urn. Like he just walked into a club and paid cover and just like holding his urn. Mankind would refer to him as Uncle Paul. It was his, Uncle, Uncle Paul. Paul! <laughs> God, I missed that. Early Mankind was a trip. Great. It's he was wild. so great. Mommy! They never should like that. Remember like, he had, like, they shaved like part of his head, like a fucking just a spot in his head. It really is like wild to me that they ever got that character over. It was amazing. May, originally Mason the Mutilator. Mason the Mutilator. I'm sorry, we're, this is, is going to be the heavy... We said no Hulk Hogan, but definitely a lot of Mick Foley, because we'll probably oh, never yeah. get a chance to talk oh, about him in this, yeah. in no, this podcast. Talking about Mick Foley makes nobody feel bad, and if it does, they go fuck themselves. <laughs> not the kind of people I want to associate he's a with. Gem. Mankind. It's amazing that this character ever got over. Off, yeah. I don't, originally, Mason, yeah. like I said, originally going to be Mason the Mutilator, and it's going to be really played into, like you were saying, like, Turn of the century, even 1800 asylum victim. It's very like early sanitarium, sanitarium vibes, type, like yeah. the mask, everything. And the, I mean, yeah, the burlap, uh, burlap uh, outfit that he kind of wore. Famously created largely as a way to give Undertaker something to do. Mm -hmm. um, they kind of figured, and I think that was pretty smart when they finally made Undertaker like a, a tent pole of the company. Yeah, it was largely based around the fact of making that uh, that gothy kind of spooky kind of shit get over he needed he needed monsters yeah. to defeat you know that's a like like got, likewise monsters for I mean, him to defeat we had mankind and kane and of course like shango and like uh to degree what's his name <laughs> viscera remember viscera? Barely, he, oh, no they God. barely interacted exactly well, he ended no, up just he, joining no he just ended, ended up joining, joining ministry of darkness somewhere. that was it because he was mabel up until that point yeah my point is they just continually coming up with things to give the spooky guy more spooky stuff <laughs> whether he is wrestling them directly or not most of it didn't get over kane and mankind got over like amazingly so yeah. i think kane you got physical form here you have an entrance it all makes sense uh yeah but it's, his, it's his equal his physical equal. mankind it's a wild to me that this character ever lasted or worked i can remember being like legitimately like is this guy fucked you know, you'd watch some of these promos well, and all the squealing and shit. It was great. Well, he, it kind of solidified that in a way and then made his made the character even more relatable through the mm. uh, JR interviews. Yes. Where he oh, interviews, at the interview. end, like he's, talk, he's talking about his life. Got his and, fingers and in that old man's face. Fucking gave him the mandible claw and he's like squealing. And I, I hate that move, I, he's, man. Wait, wait. And then he's like, he lets him go and it's like, like JR is like having a seizure. And then, and then Nick Foley like, he needs help. He needs help. And then he ran, runs away from the from the staging. Exactly. Like, it's insane. They're like, oh my God, what have I done? Don't look at me, you son of a bitch. Wait, wait. It's, it's absolutely wild. Up. It's absolutely wild. Again, nobody else could have done that. It no. had to be, it had to be Mick Foley. It's one of those generational talent kind of situations, too. There's a lot of people who are great at getting over weird characters or being certain type of strange. But to be both that and then just Mick Foley, just the guy we yeah. all think of as like this godfather of, of a certain type of wrestling because again there's this is a time like nowadays if you have a guy like mcfoley that doesn't shock me a guy who takes himself seriously as a performer yeah. a guy who's 
soft and gentle and cares too. Yeah. At a you know a time like that's normal now. It's normal to be well adjusted and to play video games in the back and like you know have a good time. Yeah. You don't act like you fucking hate everybody for you know the entirety. Which of your he career. yeah he was just not into that type of politics. And I give him credit. You know, and if, in a sense, it probably should have fucking killed his career, but it never no. did. He just kept getting work. There's a joke in uh, Beyond the Mat of which he's heavily featured in, which we'll do a review one of these days. Oh, yeah, that's definitely on the list. Uh, he jokes. He's like, I, I, you know, I never got into this business thing. I would be the most polite wrestler in the no. world. <laughs> no, absolutely not. I, uh, but there you go. Like, that's how cool he is. It's hard to even put a finger on what I liked most about it because he's not doing the most extravagant wrestling in any of these matches. He never was. No. He even talks about that in those JR interviews. And he's like, he's like, in the end, he just wanted to be Shawn Michaels. He wanted to get the girls. He wanted to have the flashy moves, but he was too ugly, too big, too everything else. Right? Exactly. The polar opposite of it. it. Most of that, most of those interviews were leading up to their big, uh, big was, match that yeah. they had. Yeah, yeah, him yeah. and Shawn Michaels. But yeah, he he would talk about. I just right. want to be him. Blah, blah blah. I'll never get to be him. So it's fuck amazing. you and fuck the world. And I'm like, I love it. Great. I love it. <laughs> Mankind is not a fake guy Mick Foley is playing. It is a a, a disability this guy lives with. Yeah. It's the way his brain has reconnected itself. Right, and it goes into him. the three faces of Foley. Right, exactly. like he's, he's three like yeah, three three disorders, <laughs> three three identities. <laughs> and I do also love how eventually they just make that like a faction function. <laughs> and there's multiple times, like of course, I think when Cactus Jack first comes out in the WWE, yeah, it'd fights, be about a year after B ninety eight when he comes. Hunter nope. versus Helmsley. Uh. Cut that fucking promo, all three of them. But Dude Love comes bang, bang. in WWF. Dude Love comes first. Comes no, oh, it's Mankind, obviously. Then Dude Love, then Cactus yeah, Jack. Exactly. Yeah. So like when they do that, what they do it is they do because I think it was supposed to be a Dude Love versus Hunter Hearst Helmsley hardcore match or something. Yeah. And Hunter comes out there, and then then the Titantron, they have this video where it's Dude Love, and then he calls over his buddy Mankind. Yeah. And they kind of go back and forth, which, <laughs> no, no, yeah. it's too crazy even for me kind of vibes. <laughs> and it's just like, so we call it a friend. And then Cactus Jack, Jack bang, out. bang, yeah. comes out. And I, you know, I was not smartened up at the time. I didn't watch other fucking programs. I didn't know who the fuck Cactus Jack was. We did not, unless you had a satellite, mm -hmm. we did not have WCW in Canada at the time that Cactus Jack yeah. was on TV. Unless you got the tapes, and which, yeah. I, which I watched which with my were. cousins. And I watched those tapes and I was like, this guy's fucking insane. Hunter, as much as like as a person and in so many ways in his career was a shit to people. Obviously, it's a Bret Hart podcast. We got to mention that. Fuck Hunter. Fuck Hunter. <laughs> just, I just always think of fucking Julie Hart just telling God's going to get you. God, God's going to strike you down. Strike you down. The greatest promo of 1997. Fuck, he just cut that boy. I do what it was great. So I digress. I digress. Degrassi. We all heard Degrassi. motherfucker. We're, well, because, you know, it's a chance to talk about mankind. I mean, why the hell not? This has been your Mick Foley moment. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's honest to God, Josh, there's multiple times we've sat here and we've talked about a match. And we, we should do a podcast on that guy. <laughs> you know? he, I guess what I'm trying to say is the, the evolution of mankind is super interesting and, yeah. and Mick Foley in general. But at this point, we're still pretty much pure mankind. Yeah, he's an insane boiler he's room still, dwelling. Yeah, exactly. Still working. Uncle Paul. Uncle Paul stuff. Yeah. And uh, fuck, does he ever try? So like, yeah, he comes in, he crawls over to like the dancers are on this little side stage. Trying and to, he crawls trying to molest. And at first, yeah, <laughs> they, they imply that he's like trying to attack these women. And he's not at all. Like he's being actually kind of like meek about it. And you can see the one dancer's like, come on. She's like, come Pulling him onto the stage. <laughs> She's trying to get him on the stage. He wants that guy in the fucking mask and missing missing a fucking chunk of his hair. Like, oh, it's a King Wearing Kong a vibes. You know, she just sees through. She sees through the monster. You know, she sees the heart underneath. You can see why his wife had a problem with this. <laughs> <laughs> 
Meanwhile, okay, he's trying to get with the women. Owen's like, oh, he's it's uh, these hose bags are being set up by my bro- my scheming yeah, brother Brett to distract. Yes, because of <laughs> to course, distract them. They are not friends. Brett is still technically a face, even though he cut up the entire company. Yeah, he's, he's tween. It's it's weird, and like mankind's uh, heel at this point. The crowd is weird because again, this is a different crowd. This isn't a bunch of people who paid for tickets to Raw. Most of these guys are fucking diehard ECW guys, so they're into it, into the McFoley like, character. They get kind of the vibes that it was probably pretty cheap tickets to oh, yeah. the shotgun this could have been a situation where someone's like hey do you want to come to a wrestling show tonight kind of thing WWF's in town? yeah you know and they just pull people in for basically nothing um so like it, it, it feels so lax in a way where like mm. i the wwe would never want to put on a product similar to this now and it never it didn't last long no. either right which like, i just I some degree think is a change i mean they did some of this kind of stuff on heat Sometimes too, like when they have a the restaurant bit. and stuff. Like yeah. oh, WF New York in Times yeah. Square. When they open, that they up, would do remember. they would do little segments in there. Yeah, I can't remember. But I, if I if I'm not mistaken, at some point Heat, which was always a, used as a lead into to the pay per views. Yeah, sometimes they would have these on spot matches where they would be at a physical location, often in New York. Yeah, I it was always funny about that kind of stuff for me is the WWE has this insistence on filming things as if it is a wrestling match when you're not really doing traditional wrestling. Yeah, and they got a fun like. I mean, like it's decades ago, but like, it's hard to imagine that they ran for weeks doing like it's a wrestling show and it's only kind of a wrestling show. If it's going to be a weird variety show, go with it. Like I think uh, that short lived MTV Wrestling Society X or whatever. It wasn't oh, yeah. good. And it had all these weird, like clearly fake, uh, like gimmick spots and stuff. Yeah. But at least I feel like that's the direction they thought they were going in. Right. With uh, this this presentation didn't, didn't really work out for me. It's just kind of like they had a regular club and then there was a wrestling ring in the middle of it for some reason. And then Vince McMahon is yelling at the top of his young lungs at Owen Hart for some reason. <laughs> Really they would strange. go. They would quickly go away from that and be, just be like, "Oh, here's uh, showcasing dark matches." Yeah, between yeah. certain guys and like it was. It was so a B C level like jobber I wonder, card. I wonder if to some degree the original idea was just too expensive for having like a one hour wrestling show. Yeah, I it think just so. felt like just too much effort. Yeah. They had you know other content they could be airing. I think to some degree we're we're rambling a bit about <laughs> this. There's not much to this match. I brawl like, outside, they brawl inside. It's just brawl, brawl, brawl. There's it, hardly it, any actual wrestling moves. You know what I mean? What are you talking about? They fucking yeah. suplexes him like 10 times. That's one move. That's still wrestling. I got you. But if again, it was, if it was kick punch, I would say that. Moves. It's one wrestling <laughs> move. It kind of feels like you, they grabbed two guys who were standing around that day. Yeah, like, it's like, who's available? <laughs> you want to go Who's tonight? in New York right now? Who wants to main event this? And it was, of course... Because um, there's no buildup. Like, no yeah. buildup at all. Brett comes out. He's got... Uh, it's black top, black shorts, but he's got the the, the pink, the large pink accents and the drippy shits yeah. on the sides. So it's pretty pretty standard Brett for the era. <laughs> Brett, Brett Flair. I'm mad about it. Yeah, I don't have a lot of good... <laughs> There's like no, analysis for the match itself. The beginning it's of the all... match. The beginning of the match. She's like, Sizzle. "Oh, those hose bags are, are in cahoots with Brett and sure as shit." Brett comes flying out yeah. of the crowd, attacks mankind. Yeah, he like just smashes him. him from from nowhere. He Pearl harbors him, <laughs> and it seemed very unbred, even for this era. You know, this is before he officially turns. Um, yeah, but then it turns into a schmoz. But there are plenty of suplexes. So technically a wrestling yeah, move. Yeah, the same suplex over. He gets that over. big uh, big suplex on Mankind. Uh, Brett is completely on the offense on this for yeah. the most part, right? He's basically just beating the shit out of Mankind. Yeah, like yeah. crazy. There's that suplex spot where they do it right in front of the commentary table in front of uh, McMahon, Owen, and Sonny. Yeah, there's a moment there where it looks like they're going to use the table. Yeah, and he just, he just you can tell like Mankind's like, just do it, I can take it, no big deal. And then he fucking hits him with it, and he, hits, he lands hard. On the ground. Yeah. Funny, uh, Sonny's on Brett's side, Owen's on... 
Owen's side. He's not even well, yeah, on Mankind's side. Uh, a face at this point. Yeah, too, right? talking um, about their Slammy Awards. Yeah, they are <laughs> the Slammy Awards, which I believe they are both two-time Slammy Award yeah. winners at this point. I'm best manager twice in a row. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, you get him, Sonny. Good for her. What a babe. Then deserved it. Miss Manslaughter. <laughs> Exactly. Now that sounds like a wrestling name. You know? <laughs> Does she get to slap you? This is my wife, Mrs. Slaughter. This is my daughter, Ms. Slaughter. Man Slaughter. Man Slaughter. Mandy Slaughter. <laughs> That's a good like gimmick. A goth drag queen. You know? <laughs> Mandy Slaughter. Yeah, I don't have much Suplexing. good to say about it. I'm trying to think like what interesting things about this. We got Owen trying to make jokes and it's so loud and in such a small area. I feel like Owen and uh, McMahon specifically have a lot of kind of misconnections there on little bits that they're trying to like yeah. say to each other. And then Sonny's trying her best to like actually have something to say. Yeah. But it's just like every time anybody in commentary starts talking, either somebody else starts talking over them or no one responds to what they said. Yeah. Because it's getting just so loud and small. And, and the crowd's probably over powering it too because they're just in such close proximity yeah the crowd's pretty crowd's much inter- having a great time crowds I mean, having that, to, I, and they're I pretty much intermingling yeah, yeah. it would be great it looked real uh, close so yeah. it's it's yeah it ends in a schmoz uh, schmoz uh brett gets mankind in a sharpshooter to point i don't think other than that i quit match mankind had with rock i never really him. tapped out yeah and uh next thing you know he didn't here, tap out here either yeah he didn't because next thing you know sunny and uh vincent manor is like what the hell's happened? Where's that's Owens left the commentary table and just starts attacking Brett and then <laughs> tax Brett. They sh- they shit can all the way out out yeah, of the ring. Mankind lays there while Brett and Owens to the curtain. And again, right to the it curtain. is a super small venue. They are not going through a crowd of no. a bunch of people. They're just walking slowly, kind of hitting each other as they walk towards a, a, a apron <laughs> and an apron. Sorry, a, a curtain. And someone pushes the curtain out of the way. And yeah, then they, then they get through. Like, they look like they're fighting oh, all no. the way through. And the ref's following him. Didn't the ref just walks out with him. Poor mankind. He's... Why is the ref walking out? With I don't him? know. Like, I don't get that at all. <laughs> you think he'd he be protecting like, match, right? Yeah. <laughs> you think he'd be protecting mankind, but that's not and the then case. Paul Bear is really upset, and he's like, he knew the atmosphere of this place was not going to be conducive to a wrestling match. <laughs> and I hate that fucking Paul Bear had the most common sense moment in this entire. <laughs> he situation. starts freaking out, and then because mankind gets his wits about him, I guess oh, if you could call what he has wits to the character, and starts going back to the ladies that were on the on the staging there on the pole dance and then try to get that back, and back at that. them and then they fucking run away and then he, he just left on the there, stage and he does the mankind rock back yeah, and rock forth back thing. and forth and then and Paul's like trying to cover his eyes yeah <laughs> avert your eyes Mick God, we did not get enough Paul Bearer frankly like God, he's barely he's he, not even there he's a guy that he is there, I wish he there. was still around today like I would love to have some more Paul Bearer stories because that guy was fucking great when he was good he was the best <laughs> No one can defeat so, my Undertaker. He's also the Pillsbury Doughboy a little bit there. I like the it. goth, the Pillsbury. goth Pillsbury, Pillsbury Doughboy. Doughboy. I like it. Oh my god, that's hilarious. Okay, so <laughs> I feel like that's the highest note we could possibly get to with this match. Josh, yo, one out of ten. What's do you give this? Match? I give it a. I give it a five dancing girls. Five dancing girls. Ooh, I like it. Five not attitude, pre-attitude dancing girls out of ten for this match. It's nothing happens. It's shit cannon gets kick punch. There is some wrestling moves. I'll have you know. <laughs> Even the way you said that, I think. It was like 10 know. suplexes. I was like, Jesus. I leaned over. He was like, this is a fucking suplex match the it's, whole way through. He's just spamming the same. It's like somebody playing fucking NWO versus the world for the first time. And just <laughs> yeah. Figured not out knowing, one move. Not knowing like, what to do, do that over and over. Crowd's turning on you because you suck. Oh, God. Uh, uh, yeah, I w- I'll give it that. I'll give it five because it's, it's funny. It's, it has two of my favorite wrestlers. Three, if you count Owen. Uh, two people probably should be convicted of manslaughter. <laughs> 
Yeah, I think maybe they could tear us out. <laughs> That's between Sonny and Vince McMahon. What literally one not she a was so fucking cool though. Oh, you know what so I mean? There was hot. a time there. She was just she was the thing. And I don't even just mean like, yeah, she's super attractive. But she was so fucking good at being like a wrestling personality yeah. in wrestling. She knew like, she knew what to do. She was, yeah. She, she was, knew what to do. It is, it's a everything shame. else she didn't know what to do. <laughs> and Vince McMahon there's being as Vince McMahon as he can be. But very casual. Um weirdly casual. God, I love it. <laughs> I I think you're about in the in the right spot. I was actually, I thought we were gonna have our first um, like on the nose. I think we might have had one other. We've one. had a tie. We've before. had a tie before. Uh, but uh, then you then you upped your vote there a little bit. You were gonna go with four. I think you are going with four. Yeah, I'm gonna go four out of ten. Paul Bear is wishing they went to a different bar. <laughs> um, it's like, yeah, I think if we're going to give it five, I think there's a lot of matches I would look at. Like five out of ten is just like, oh, that's okay. This was kind of novel, but I feel like if I watched any other matches on this program, I would not have made it to this one. It's funny because like Shotgun later later on, like in a year or two, does not showcase any of this main event shit. No. You're getting fucking Takamichi Noku versus... Yeah. I don't know, Brian Christopher. And this is before he became Grandmaster. That would have been Sexy. a good match, though. They probably did match up. And they probably matched up on the shotgun, but you'd never know. Fuck, I love Taka so much. I always He's did. Great. Even when I was a kid, I knew he was fucking amazing, you it's know? Just, uh, so underutilized. Yeah. Although think... I was a big fan of the evil gimmick. Oh, fuck, yeah. <laughs> evil. E Indeed. That was great. <laughs> I just love to like the string of overtly racist gimmicks they gave those boys. Holy shit. From Choppa your pee pee to the evil choppy, bit. Choppy choppy your pee pee. Um yeah, so I think that's pretty good. We'll just roll along here then. Okay. Next match to the good shit. We to got the pasta dish. <laughs> a bit of a bit of a classic here. Um your main course. We've got or at least what is considered a classic by many. We've got WrestleMania 8. Bret Hart is Going against a longtime family friend, as it is put to us, uh, the rowdy one himself, oh. uh, Rowdy Waddy Piper. Rowdy Roddy Peeper, if you will, <laughs> if you're a fan of that Simpsons episode. Um, yeah, it starts us off with a great a promo. The Josh. fucking promo. Tell me about this promo. This match is, you called it a classic. It's considered a classic because it is a fucking classic. I'm trying to build a little suspense for the ratings, Josh. You never know. <laughs> That's the only way to build suspense. Law and order theme. <laughs> law, law and order chiching. <laughs> okay, well, I'll put that in. Cool. Sure. <laughs> but more okay, importantly, tell uh, us about the promo. From promo to, to pinfall, from pillar to post, this fucking match rules. Starts off with a classic uh, P versus P one on one promo with uh, good old me, mean. By God, Gene Okerlund cutting it right down the middle. And uh, Brett, don't do much. This is a fucking masterclass of Piper. Harry Piper. Oh my God. P Piper's wearing that beautiful. Yeah, remember when you're tying your shoes? Oh my God. But it didn't matter. Remember when your your mom used to just give a slap it on a sour just and it only one got piece one of piece of baloney, but that didn't matter. And you might remember when your mom was body or changing your body pants, although you both didn't wear body uh, trained until you were seven, but that doesn't matter. <laughs> trying to be like, I love you. Just insulting. Just being just being a he fucking older bully type. Just like reach over, like pinch his cheek, and then Brett's just Yeah, don't fucking it. touch me. Don't you ever fucking touch me. Oh, you want to be a tough so guy there. 
leads eventually to Brett touching the belt that Piper's wearing. Slapping the belt. And I gotta say, Piper's real physical with people oh, in promos. Yeah. And I love it. I love it. He's, they're getting right. It was like, holy shit, they're gonna get ready to and fucking kill each other. It's, we were talking about it during the match, too. Piper looks great here. He he it's always best, physically best looks he good, looked. but this is best the best he fucking looked, looked in his yeah. career, in my mind. We're coming hot off They Live. He's the right size, too. Like, he's a Jack, big guy, but he's not Jack. gigantic. Uh, cut real well. He's got that that classic Piper mullet. He's looking good. He's, looking good. He lives. He, he <laughs> because they up. live. He lives. <laughs> this is um, functionally his retirement match, is it not? Yes, it is. It's going to be one of his last matches. Yeah, up until while. he gets the fucking... DNA stuff? No. Yeah, bar, uh, the parking lot brawl. Parking lot shit brawl. With, <laughs> with, uh, In the reference. androgynous, yeah. quote unquote. Uh, gold, the gold, uh, gold, gold. Um, but yeah, so it's WrestleMania eight. It's a gigantic show. The Hoosier Dome. The Hoosier Dome. God is dang, fucking packed yeah. full. Jim Russell's not there, but he was not. Which <laughs> is Heenan and uh, Heenan and Monsoon calling the action on this one? Um, and it's comical. It was hard not to also notice that they had like the most rinky dinky like entrance entrance way. It wasn't um, about that back then. You wanted the action in the was, ring, and you're right. But like, it also was about WWE putting on a show yeah. and making it look big time. But they had like basically like, a little eight foot fucking neon. It was a regular intro. like regular yeah, like they're, they're, like superstars. Yeah entrance um but with that said everything else looks fucking great you've got um bret hart coming up first of course piper comes out after brett is dressed in pink on pink so he means business yeah. you know when it's pink on pink oh we're getting to it we're getting to it yeah and uh punch in you're fucked <laughs> piper wears the same fucking thing he's worn for the last 30 years blue blue jocks you know he's black boots he looks again we always make fun of people for looking like a creator wrestler but no one would even bother to make the creator wrestler <laughs> wear this gear because he even does that old-timey wrestler bullshit of like his boots just having his initials painted yeah, on a la like, rick flair yeah <laughs> arn anderson, arn anderson yeah. fucking oleander like everybody totally okay we just did the four horsemen <laughs> the uh gorgeous george yeah, did that yeah. too. everybody did that yeah. double initial bullshit <laughs> Um, but again, Piper looks great here. And again, it's important to remember he's only 38 at this point. In Had modern, already previously retired to mm -hmm. come back to win the belt, put Brett over. In modern wrestling uh, uh, times, 38 is not retirement age. Uh, right. It's a different industry then. And of course, Piper had different ambitions at that time period in yeah. his life. I think there is a couple things worth mentioning about this match right off the bat. It is a very good show of this kind of like, how do you get two people who are generally considered faces? How do you get two good guys to fight in a way where the crowd is engaged? Yeah. And uh, and you split the crowd. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The crowd is split between you them. You make them argue about it. To some which, degree, was right? not, which was not as uh, prevalent in those yeah. times. Oh, yeah. It was always oh, yeah. bad guy, good guy, heel face. Out of all the typically. people at the time who could and did do that, it was... Piper. Again, this is an industry where it is so hard historically to really portray a shade of gray in front of, in front of tens of thousands of people, yeah. right? It takes a certain kind of person to pull this off. Brett, of course, would become great at this too in yeah. just a few years. Again, I don't know the whole story here, but just watching it, it feels like a Piper match Hatch. with a Brett Red finish. Brett Hart finish. So yeah. tell me if this is how you got the match. Because okay. what it felt like for, for me, Piper gets pissed off in that promo, basically. And then when he comes out, he's hot, but he's like mad at the other guy personally. Yeah. And Brett's goal here is to win the belt. 
And very quickly, there's a couple exchanges, some in and out, some getting rolled out to the uh, out of the ring, yeah. some um, shit canning. They do the yeah, test of strength, test of strength, which yeah. Brett wins, but um, Piper kicks to, like, beautiful. Yeah. yeah, he does this good escape. This is like an old timey escape. You see this a lot in like the old swipe this videos. up and over puts, swipe yeah, kick, puts his leg up and over, and yeah. uses that to his like inside of his knee to break the grip. Yeah, and then um, try to get him into a hammerlock, yeah. but Brett and knew that was coming. A back, uh, yeah. goes to get him from the back, but then Brett is able to to force him through the ropes yeah. at that point. And he's out to the outside, walking back and forth, trying to figure out what to do. Because it is one of those things, like how do I get through the Bret Hart defense? Yeah. Because Roddy is all steamed up and Roddy's thing is not being the most technical. It's yeah. being the guy willing to do the shit. Couple little back and forths. Most interesting one is where he just straight up spits on Brett. Oh, like, just, like, and the crowd's like, what? what is it? Fucking what did the he just do? Dumb. You got to think about this from a, a psychological, like a wrestling psychology standpoint, right? Because... Roddy's at the begin, right from the fucking beginning, right at promo time with Mean by God Gene. Roddy's there. He's the champion. Got nothing to prove. He's just there to have a good time with yeah. his old pal Brett, yeah. his little little tight friend Brett. Absolutely. And he, but he does not care to be disrespected by Brett. Nope. I'm just having a good time. Yeah. And fucking Brett's bullshit. not having it. Brett no. wants that fucking title. Not happy. And then it. now that's why he's fucking steam coming in. Starts spitting on him. Yeah. After a brief exchange, I was like, holy shit. And that's both of the guys get a little more petty. Yeah. It becomes this kind of like shoving kind of thing. Because there's like just like inherent dis level of disrespect there, right? Getting <sighs> spit on. So it kind of turns it for both of them. But you're getting them. shades of old Piper. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. the shit that he would do on Piper's Pit, the shit he exactly. did against uh, Hulk Hogan and fucking Mr. T, right? The fucking mind Stuff games. Stuff that made his career, made his too, career. you know? He's, he's got that kitsch, so everyone's kind of got used to the fact that, oh, it's old Piper, just having fun. Yeah, but no, no, I'm a fucking bad guy. Nice to bring it back. And of yeah. course, Brick gets gigged. Bad. Oh, and yeah. you were like, you were like... I was like, "Is that blood?" And you're like, "No." I didn't remember. I didn't remember the color in this Holy until I saw it. Holy shit! And I, I remember was like, it on Piper. I yeah. remember it on Piper, but it's Brett's blood. But it's that, Brett's blood. That uh, that pink's getting a little bit of red. What I like about it too is it wasn't a good job. He didn't do like a really good job of it. Yeah. So Piper gets in the corner and bites the shit out of his fucking head. Yeah. And then later he's getting he, pumping. He gives him like ten jabs to the face. Yeah. Because he's Golden like, Gloves like, champion. Knuckle out jab to the fucking. <laughs> to face. which Keenan replies is him being Golden Gloves champion. This is uh, amateur punk. You get shit. paid for that dude. <laughs> yeah, that's amateur. amateur punk. <laughs> but in this IC title match, because blood was outlawed, they made it look like Roddy hit him accidentally and start cutting him. Oh, I got so they you, didn't. Yeah. So when they hit back, it was like, oh, it's sweet. We, we, okay, we didn't do it on purpose. Yeah, exactly. Right? But Flair and Savage do yeah. it later, and they get fucking busted. Busted, yeah. Yeah, like I, bad. That's so fucking And they get fined. I'm pretty sure they get fined for it. And then, then like how Piper, and, Sa or like Piper how and Brett are like, whoa. <laughs> I love how much of it just comes down to who Vince is mad at in that moment. In that moment, yeah. He, he picks no and chooses. There's no politicking, but there's all a lot of politicking. <laughs> so I guess that does take us to the finish, though. I'm trying to think. Uh, well, okay, no, there's a lot of them playing okay. possum, too. Oh, between yeah. the two of them, they both do that. And yeah. again, there's a lot of that too, where Sneaky. one guy does a thing, the other guy does it. Yeah, either because it's smart or because it's dastardly, right? Because yeah. it's a bit of this sharing back and they want that fucking style. title. One wants to keep it, one wants to take it, and it's uh, pulling out all the stops. There was a lot of them playing possum. And then Brett, uh, well, even after he gets fucking color, uh, Piper bites him, takes him to the corner, and gets that beautiful fucking bulldog, and you were like joking. He's like, "Oh my god, that's like the most technical, technical move." move. <laughs> Piper does. But he fucking blasts him, right? Brett gets back on the offense, does all his moves of doom, gets all of them in, and Piper's just on fucking Dream Street. Yeah. And then gets into the finish. And uh, this is the one with the ring bell, where yeah. Piper is wielding the ring bell. Ref takes a bump. Yeah, ref takes a bump. Yeah. Ref's out. 
Brett's down. Piper's got the bell, and he's it's like everyone's looking because this is uh, Roddy Piper, so this is not a strange moment. Yeah, this is not this is he's not done uh, this a few times. This is in his wheelhouse. This is not a but the <laughs> but instead because he wasn't lying about the family friendship, what have yeah. you, the the level of mutual respect. He's like, fuck, it's not worth it. You know, he has this yep. moment he's like, I'll I'm gonna beat you clean. Doesn't work out that way, though. This is uh, the first time Brett does that uh, run up the turnbuckle spot. So when Piper's gone from behind, he runs up the turnbuckle. Sacrifices himself for like a German suplex, yeah. but ends up locking it and getting the pin. Exactly. Exactly. One, two, three, and that's it. We got a new Intercontinental Champion. Brett's second IC belt at this point. But the, cr the crowd's fucking hot for it because oh, yeah. when Piper comes up with that ring belt, the crowd's like, no, Roddy, no, don't do it. They're so into it. And then when he puts it down, people stand up and they cheer. Clap and cheer. cheer. Yeah, and then at the end, I, I actually like the portrayal there after the pin too, because you got Brett on the ground because Brett is fucking exhausted because it's the whole Brett thing of just like doing everything yeah, you can, pulling all the stops. And, uh, Piper is standing there, just fucking hands on hip, like couldn't what? believe what the fuck happened. Uh, Even the crowd, it was a like, bit of like you got me. And again, yeah. this is the evolution of Piper because Piper a few years ago when he's running with Bob Orton, this is when he starts kicking your head in. Yeah, right. He would. This is the part. Yeah, but because he is a he has he is better you yeah. know this is kind of the thing this is what he's proved in this match i am actually a good guy this isn't old piper of old pretending to be a good guy so yeah. oh, i got you now yeah kind of thing he's literally just trying to be a good person in this moment and he just fucking is so mad about it but at the same time he's like fuck and then he got ref grabs the belt and then piper pushes the ref and grabs yeah the grabs belt the belt himself to hold up Bret, Bret hart's hand because he yeah gives brett the belt and then, real... and then picks him up because Brett's still on the ground. But the funny thing about the finish too, uh, just to add one thing, yeah, please. the the fucking crowd didn't know who won. Like they get up, they get up, and they're like, "What? What?" And then it goes like, "Yeah, a little confusion there." Yeah, yeah, because they didn't know. But it was cool. But I, yeah. that was on purpose though to, to kind of get the crowd even more involved. So then when you hear a new Intercontinental Champion, yes. fucking crowd just pow, loses it. And yeah, Piper can't believe it. Gets the belt, grabs the belt, pushes the ref. Yeah. And then hands it to Brett. Yeah. And then picks Brett up by his hand, straps the icy belt back on him, and they they go out together. Gorgeous. It really. Uh, what a fucking ending. And it's the kind <laughs> of match, especially for that time period too. They're going. This is that. This is part of that canon of Bret Hart matches you're supposed to watch. It's great, but again, not the most technical match. It's not yeah. like anybody does anything at a moment. Where you're like, well, that was truly death defying. You know, that is truly um, shocking, a real display of athleticism. Not that it was particularly clotting. It's not two Greg Valentines there slapping each other. <laughs> but it, it, no, there's but. a lot of technicality to it, but a lot, of, it's half technical, part and parcel. It's half technical, half knock, knockout, drag, drag out fights, especially when you get the like, fucking color in. Holy shit, look out. It's technical, technicality's out the fucking it's window. It's technical in the way of like, they are trying to display that Brett is a good wrestler, not by making Brett do a bunch of intricate and flashy things. Yeah. It's just he's always got a defense for whatever Roddy's trying to do. For anybody, really. Exactly. Yeah. Only real like, oh, fuck, that's wild thing he does is the run up the turnbuckle, really. Yeah. And uh, so it's all basically kind of around this Roddy the Piper moment and this little like back and forth where these two guys both quickly realize that, you know, they're like, again, they're like two toddlers that need to be separated. This is very much uh, what Steamboat Savage IC belt for WrestleMania Ooh. 3 yeah. is to this Roddy Brett to this WrestleMania 8, right? Yeah. Very much like that. Stole the fucking show. Yeah. People remember this fucking match because of the fucking promo at the beginning. 
and everything else in between right up until that crazy fucking finish. And this is uh and so Brett wins the IC title and he's again never disrespected or thought down on by this company again <laughs> who never abuse him or anyway. No Took of advantage course. of his uh, yeah. his goodwill. In another year we will have that Yoko Brett match and then of course uh Hulk Hogan coming in to save yeah. the um uh, the We already covered it. They already yeah. know. And I don't want to talk about Hulk I Hogan wake up right now. in cold sweat sometimes thinking of that match. I'm just like, "No." Hey, remember Todd Pettengill talking to those planted Japanese fucking photographers? It's Princess Leia. Look at her tits. Oh, for today. Yeah, Todd, we didn't mention that. Todd Pettengill's in the fucking, uh, the, the... Shotgun. Shotgun Saturday Night. Yeah. They do a picture-in-picture, picture, so Todd Pettengill yeah. can talk to a woman who's wearing, like, one of those fuzzy rave bras from the 90s, and she had two buns in her hair. Yeah. Not Princess Leia buns on the side of her head. That he made reference to, yeah. On the top yeah. of her head. And he just kept pretending that he was talking to actual princess leia and then he was just like how do you do with like the hair on the on the chest thing and she's like well she's just making a joke she's like well actually it's just that's my my i just not wearing a top i just I'm shaved, shaved, I just shaved it all down there. yeah i'm like that's actually kind of funny but todd is just keep going on about how it's actually princess leia and then they <laughs> just zoom in over tits. this was a picture in picture for some reason like you couldn't we needed a break from this uh captivating mankind bret hart know. match you just see the the worst in rave gear that this fucking 1997 had to offer uh, memories um, Feels like electric circus in Toronto. So we've already <laughs> gone back to the first match, so we might as well rate the last one. Josh. Me. You. You. Oh, that's true. Also me. <laughs> what out of 10 watts do you give this match? Uh, nine out of ten. Mrs. Hart Ooh. making bologna sandwiches for Roddy Piper and Brad Hart. <laughs> slapping them in, slapping Aww, them around. That's memorable. It's I that like good. It. It's so it's so fucking good. I like it. It makes me love Piper more. And uh Is this is this one on your um your rushmore, so to speak? Because it seems like this is a match that you and I've talked about before that you really And it's just because yeah. like because he gets you started because of the promo. Yeah. Promo's great. Promo's yeah. great. Real and part of this match. Yeah. It's it's so it blends in so well together. Yeah, it's probably on the Brett Rushmore matches, it's up there. It's f way up there. It's not number one. But it's pretty close. But it's fucking close because it's uh it's a master class. That's how you fucking tell stories. Yeah. 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 That's how you. That's how Great you get that fucking cap captivating the audience. That's how you get them hooked. Not, not particularly a long match. Not nope. a super technical, high flying match. Uh, no, it's not. There nothing. is. There's some, that running fucking uh, yeah. drop kick that he gives him. But whatever. I Degrassi on that. There one. is some uh, blood, but it's not gory. This match isn't trying to make you go, you yeah. gross. And the fact they got one over on McMahon too. I yeah. love the fact that they like. Yeah. Well, we got away with it. Fuck you, old man. I I, I feel like I could watch this match in my sleep. Like, I feel like I, I, know, I know what's going on. It's, it's an old nine, friend. Old friend. <laughs> nine out of ten condescending memories from Roddy Piper's <laughs> past. I'm going to go with that one. We got a tie, ladies and germs. I will do it. I will do it. I'll be part of the Just group. Just like Bill Alfonso. Right down the middle, baby. got a tag. So that, yeah, that was fun. I'm glad we watched that one. Um, that is a, definitely a good memories match for me. It feels good. Um, for the rest of today, we should probably get on to some other things. Yeah. I think we're going to do something a little uh, different today. Uh-oh. <laughs> Josh is a reader, if you can believe it. As you mentioned before, he's got glasses. So <laughs> Therefore, Mr. I can read. <laughs> yeah, Mr. Young is going to... I, I went out to Staples and bought a notebook. Oh, it's a, it's a beautiful little moleskin he's got there. Yeah, it is a moleskin. Yeah, Man, you're is. good. Oh, I, I know an overpriced notebook when I see him. <laughs> totally. I even bought the Sharpie pens, which I really like. Oh, look at you. Hard black ink. You earned it. You earned it. I don't know how, but you earned it. <laughs> yeah. I, I work for a living, so uh, yeah. But I don't know. I guess, uh, so we're going to do a bit of a book club here, i.e. Josh is going to explain to us 
his experience rereading Brett's Bible. Yeah. And uh, maybe if you <laughs> want to follow along, we can. How, what chapters are we doing today, Josh? I think we're going to go the first three. In first the three? beginning. In the beginning. The <laughs> Genesis. Brett's Bible. I even have it underlined. Brett's Bible, book one. Stampede days. <laughs> Chapter one. <laughs> Just picture everybody wearing loincloths and living in a garden somewhere. Chapter the first. So Heart Boy. <laughs> maybe uh, yeah. What's the overview of the first chapter? What do you? What's going on there? It, it's very much as uh, being in a large, large family of over ten. Close. It's twelve kids altogether, isn't I think, it? I think you're right. Yeah. Something like that. Twelve kids plus hangers on. Pro wrestler sleeping on the couch. Yeah. Roddy Piper. <laughs> Jake the Snake. He. he Fucking shows up hey, in the Roberts. book in the early in the early parts of the book here, okay. but the preface starts at the how all things start or end at Stu's funeral. <laughs> <laughs> well, one specific thing ended there, <laughs> yeah. but the, the preface preface starts there and uh, starts off with that with Brett just uh, overcoming his stroke. All his family's there. Vince McMahon is there in Calgary. They haven't really spoken. Not since the Owen, the Owen Hart death, manslaughter. I got you. <laughs> and uh, Brett talks about how he has to deliver the speech of all speeches. This is the promo. Even though he's got like legit gripes with his family at this at this juncture, yeah, of course, he still had to speak but, for the fam- on behalf the of the family. Yeah. yeah, he was very big on talking up the old man and the role he played. Yeah, in and he, he talks about all the people that are missing too. At at this point, this is just the fucking yeah. first couple pages. We go to Brett's first memory of wrestling, maybe even his first memory at all. 1960, Killer Kowalski versus Ted Mc- Tex McKenzie, and Brett being completely frightened. It's like three years old at this point? Something like 70, that, yeah, three or four. Eight, uh, yeah, 57, 58 or something like yeah, that. Yeah, 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 57, he's born. July, yeah, he just had a birthday. Happy birthday, Brett. Many happy returns. So, <laughs> yeah, right? Killer Kowalski and his. Yeah, and Tex McKenzie. Boy, and uh, that's some wrestling. Tex McKenzie. Yeah, and he's fairly certain that Tex McKenzie's neck's going to be completely broken. He's never going to yeah. wrestle again. And Brett's captivated in fear, wearing Roy Roger uh, uh, six shooters, very much into cowboys and a little, a little of course, tight. Of course, but uh, he's captivated, and that captivation will lead him into the career of a lifetime. First chapter gets into a lot of the history of Stu and Helen and the Hart family, all the kids, their personalities, according to Brett, and how Stu and Helen met. Stu, infamous shooter, linebacker for Edmonton Eskimos, Edmonton Elks now. Uh, he was working for somebody else. There was like a wrestling thing, right? Like, he yeah, was, he was. He was, dead. but stretching dudes in, yeah. in New York and managed to meet the woman of his dreams. That's <laughs> uh, how people met back then. There was no Tinder, Mister Dylan. I love, I love like <laughs> uh, that cliche about like you talk to grandma and grandpa about how they met. It's a yeah. horrifying story. It's like, well, you know, he asked me out, and he asked me out every day, and followed me home from work at six in the morning. <laughs> That's like those vignettes in uh, the film. Like I of, said, yeah, so now we have six kids. One of my favorite uh, romantic comedies, uh, When Harry Met Sally, was always undercut with these like old couples talking about how they yes, met. Yes. Very much like that. But it's very cute in a way where it's just like, <laughs> I just love that. Eh, I guess we'll get married. <laughs> uh, Brett got his start, even as a little boy, uh, pulling lucky numbers out of a steel box. So they're doing like... You know, lucky number draws. Learning about the crowds. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Stu inform Stu and his brothers informing him of uh, ring rats. <laughs> Ooh. He was yeah, pl- plucking numbers and then selling programs eventually for Stampede Wrestling. Uh, talks about Ted the Wrestling Bear and how that bear would stay at the house. <laughs> yeah, that a bear would stay on <laughs> the front stairs. A real stairs fucking bear, a full-grown bear. Apparently, Brett was on some as a child was on some TV program like live. TV program in Calgary, and the bear came and was on the show, and then it cut to Brett in the crowd. It was like fucking Howdy Doody or some bullshit. <laughs> and like, 
Brett telling the TV guys like, yeah, that bear sleeps at my underneath our porch at our house. And the, the, the host being like, aha, you little tyke. And yeah, then Brett sure. visibly getting angry. No, he does. Seriously. <laughs> and for, like, if only he had his uh, visor, <laughs> he'd get that fucking host and a sharpshooter. Like, who who decided that? Was that something somebody was just like, oh, don't worry, Steve. You can just put him under the deck. It'll be fine. Like, who? Like, fuck. My yeah. God. Well, where else are you going to keep the bear? <laughs> Do like the they can't because like, the because Hart House is kind of away from Calgary. Yeah, like yeah, uh, that yeah, time it was in the, the outskirts. Yeah. yeah, it was at the outskirts of the time. They can't keep a fucking live bear on uh, on Electric Avenue. So oh, like, like I, I, I personally <laughs> think you probably shouldn't keep them underneath your front step. That either, too. With that's and like, like yeah, the Brett tells a story about how the kids were like just put ice cream on their toes and they would the drip. Bear would lick it up. The bear would lick it off. I remember this story. <laughs> a fucking bear, a wrestling bear, tame as could be. Fucking sure. knows. Uh, during the summer is when, except for Stampede, or, yeah, sorry, uh, the Calgary Stampede, they had, a, like, a property called Clearwater, Clearwater Beach property, and they would just, ho- there was two man-made lakes, and people would kind of vacation there every once in a while. Ended up selling that property for fucking pennies, mm-hmm. and it's now worth, like, at the time of the writing, it was worth, like, a $125 million property now, and that's how, that's how fucking dire straits for they were. Those that might not know... Uh, Alberta has the least amount of lakefront property of any province <laughs> yeah, in the so, country. Yeah, but they made it, they yeah. turned that, all that property into condominiums. Yeah. yeah so it was worth it a fucking mint. And Brett or uh, Stu had to sell it just to pay the boys. But, <laughs> which ends this chapter. Hart family broke as fuck. <laughs> like, I do love that realization. But also, Stu, maybe if you had six kids, things would have been a <laughs> little be easier. Okay. I don't know. I'm no mathematician here, as we previously discussed. <laughs> chapter two loves me like a rock. We're in 67 right now. Hard family. Still broke. <laughs> I do like that. It's like the latest. <laughs> Casey thought something changed. They are broke it's as fuck. It's been seven years. We're broke still. But at this point, I mean, Stampede started in the oh. 60s, later in kind of late 50s and stuff. But now it's starting to take traction with uh, with TV, right? So 67. Brett's about 10 years old yeah. here. Stampede Wrestling is taking off across Canada because of Archie the Stomper Goldie. Goldie. Which was their top heel. And I think he was their champion, too, at one point. Still broke as fuck. But getting along okay. Stampede's getting traction across Canada. We're in the early 70s now. Beats up Bully, also named Brett. Oh, Dude, this geez. is that classic story where like a teacher... Protecting the family. Yeah, the teacher gives, like, gives Yeah, him, like, good luck. Good luck. That's such a fucking Calgary he Beats him up in, in eighth 60s. grade. <laughs> beats the shit out of him. Brett versus Brett. Okay. <laughs> July 1971. Hearts meet the Funks. This is one of the, Remember we were talking about uh, Brett Hart versus Terry Funk? Oh, yeah. And... Uh, Amarillo, Texas wrestling was the best wrestling. Yeah, and the Funks yeah. were great, but fuck America. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they get to meet for the first time. He gets to go down to the territory there and see what the Funks are all about. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Because if we're talking again, 71, we're talking to teenage Bret Hart going down probably to like help dad out with something. Exactly. Yeah. Running programs. Gets into some serious shit with Stu. Ooh. Stu, not the best dad. Yeah. Suffers abuse. Yeah. Brett suffers like, quite a bit of abuse. All the boys do. Yeah. He had a, he had a stern way of, of uh, child rearing, Brett gets beat up by Stu because one of the daughters kind of rats on him or says says that Brett's up to no good or yelled at me or pushed me lies. Yeah, and Stu comes stomping in and fucking beats the, shit, beats the shit while Helen's like, "Don't do it! He didn't do anything!" And like know, his sister, one of his sisters, moment. has to fucking fess up and say he didn't Later do it. Apologize. Yeah. Didn't apologize. He just kind of got swept under the rug. Which is I mean, the sister up. in that case. Oh yeah, yeah. no. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brett wins city championships for wrestling. For amateur wrestling, but gets kind of fucked over by this Coach Parsons character who didn't care for him or his family or phony wrestling, yeah, yeah, so yeah, he yeah. couldn't play football. 
because the coach didn't like him. And yeah, kind of just kind of shit cans his, his sports career and you can only do wrestling. And uh, his brother Dean, who he's really, really close with, who was a little bit older than him, fucked him over for $1,500 and, and an El Dorado. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so, uh, Brett started working a, a bending rebar, getting a, you know, kid job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And got the money together to buy the El Dorado off his brother, and then the brother just took the money and fucked off. Yeah, Coach Parsons is an asshole. That's how that chapter two ends. Chapter three! <laughs> 76, all the brother, all the Hart brothers are in Stampede in one so, form or again, the other. 76, so Brett's 19 here. Yeah. Right? Uh, Brett goes to film school, washes out after a semester. Did he, does he mention much about why he washed out after a semester? He just really wasn't focused? Just or? wasn't focused. Couldn't, just couldn't get the mustard together to keep going. Yeah. And he kind of went by himself at, I think it was Mount Royale. He ends up becoming a ref and gets trained by Mr. Hito and uh, Kazu Sakurada in the dungeon, cutting his teeth. Getting beat up. Getting beat up by two that. burly Japanese dudes pretty fucking bad. But they teach him a few things. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Any particular notes there about his relationship with those guys? Like, oh, loving. Yeah. They, they, they gave him... Because they knew... He would be the strongest out of all the hard boys. Yeah, they just That's how the, they just fucking there. saw it in him. He's got, he's got all the talent. If he could win fucking city champions like that, yeah. But size difference, you can size see difference. Some yeah, yeah, he's like he's he's the one with the fucking most talent out of all of them. And Pencil. he's like the middle kid out of all the kids. Yeah, Malcolm in the middle. <laughs> is that why they? Is not funny because he's the middle child too? Is that funny that they use him in uh in the intro? It's true. And they the both middle. suffered serious brain injuries. <laughs> so like. <laughs> Congratulations! Weird. <laughs> we just we just got massive there. concussions. They could probably they might have even had a talk in a recovery center and don't remember. Who knows? <laughs> Insane. So he's learning the ropes and uh, he's traveling up and down Canada and maybe parts of the states a little bit, not too much, but mostly Canada. Training, learning the ropes with the other wrestlers, just drinking beer, telling stories, hearing stories Being with the boys. Yeah, figuring it out real young here. Yeah. Uh, there's a big quote. Uh, I quote Mr. Hito, the rest you learn by yourself, you learn as you go. Yeah. Because there's no ropes or turnbuckles in the dungeon. It's a fucking dilapidated but gym you, you, you don't, in the you, basement you think, of a mansion. I'm sure he learned how to run the ropes outside of like... He learned, well, yeah. he learned after that. But all the groundwork he learned in the dungeon with those guys, with... With Mr. Hito and Sakurada. We'll stop at chapter four, uh, chapter three, and that's good. We got three okay. chapters here. We got the young Brett getting up right before he becomes an international talent. I love that. That is honestly the most interesting stuff to me too. I a was... lot of it. A lot of those early chapters are very much coming of age. Yeah. What's the growing up and having being in this weird fucking wrestling family and the the hierarchy of some of the brothers and stuff. There's a weird part where the brothers would like all train together and then they go into the showers mm -hmm. and Smith and Bruce, the oldest brothers, start pissing on the younger ones. Some piss play? I don't know. Fuck you gotta start somewhere. I'm glad. <laughs> I, as a kid, I always wanted an older brother, but in retrospect, I'm glad I didn't have <laughs> yeah, an older yeah. brother. What I love about these stories, particularly, as wrestling fans, we're almost single-mindedly interested in hearing wrestlers talk about wrestling. Yeah. Which, of course, there's a lot of interesting stuff there, and it's yeah. what we're specifically into. But, like, if you're into a band or if you're into an actor or something, you, you sure, you're interested in them talking about how they made the thing or what their goals were. But you want to know about the family life. You want to know about the side interests, you know, who they were dating. You That is interesting. Killer character building, in a sense. But I feel in pro wrestling, we seem, I don't know if we're less interested in it, but we get less of it. So every time I get these little tidbits of what a person is like, yeah, yeah, away from the sport, 
It's yeah. uh, it's really entertaining. It's interesting. Yeah, like I said, like well, mind you, his whole life was revolved in wrestling, right? Yeah. Even though, so it's like you're still getting, you're still sure. getting the wrestling in it. Oh, two point. The book is actually it is not titled Brett's Bible. No matter how much we fucking no. talk about it being a Bible, <laughs> but it is called Bret Hart Hitman: My Real Life in the Cartoon World of Wrestling. Cute. I love it. And it's great. Uh, can't wait to tell more. Was that good enough book review? This is my first book party club thing. Oh, Josh, I think it was great. Really? Yeah, you're a good guy. You're more than a pretty face. I can say that. Oh, jeez. Josh. Yo. Fucking send us home. <laughs> All right. In the meantime and in between time, this has been another thrilling episode of the Pink and Black Playback. Tune in next week. Same Brett time. Same Brett channel. Adios. Adios.